the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the St. Luke, the fourth chapter. Then Jesus began to say to all in the synagogue in Nazareth, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is this not Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, Do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel at the time of Elijah, when the heaven was open, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. And yet Elijah was sent to none of them, except to a widow in Zarephath at Sidon. There was also many lepers in Israel at the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except for Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated, and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. morning. How are you? Have you enjoyed the snow? Good. I'm glad. I mostly just shoveled. It was not enjoyable. I had a question. Well, today we're going to talk about things that are new and how we can trust that God's still there in the midst of them. But I'm going to, we're going to talk about uh, haircuts to begin. How many of you have ever gotten a haircut before? Very good. Now, you have? Okay, do you get the same haircut every time or does it change every time you get a haircut? Haircut once. Mostly the same haircut. Sometimes it changes, sometimes not. Okay. I mostly have the same haircut too. And for me, it's really scary when you get a new haircut because I don't know if it's going to be cool or if I'm going to look like a complete weirdo, you know? Now, do you think I've always had this haircut? No. What haircuts do you think I've had in the past? Really long? Really long? Well, it's never been as long as yours, but my hair did come down past my earlobes before. It was very, very, very long. And it kind of looked like a mushroom. It was not cool. It was not cool. I know. It's silly. What other haircuts do you think I've had before? Just like this? Okay, so I've had one just like this. I've also had a bowl cut. Do you know what that is? So it's where, it's basically, it's kind of like if you put a bowl in someone's head and you cut all the hair that falls off underneath it, and you just have this bowl cut thing. Do you think that looks cool? 
Do you think that would look cool? No, that would look weird. Okay. I thought it looked cool, but whatever. Every time I changed my haircut, it was really kind of scary because I didn't know what my face looked like. I didn't know what my head looked like without that same haircut, you know. But what was really cool is my mom and my brothers, they would all be really helpful. They would say, you know what, I bet you would look cool with that. And my mom would always say the famous phrase, if you don't like it, it's always going to grow back, right? So it gave me a lot of confidence to go out and do something new. <coughs> do you guys think you would ever get a different haircut? No? Maybe yes, maybe no? Regardless if you, if, if you do or not, there's going to be a lot of things that happen, some of, this, some of them this month and some of them way later in life, that are going to be new things. And I want you to know that just like my brothers and just like my mom was there to encourage me and comfort me, that Christ is also there. Jesus is there, encouraging you, comforting you, that new things are going to be okay. Now, can everybody look at my nose? Can everybody look at my nose? Phineas, can you look at my nose? Where is God when you go through new things? With you. Very good. God is with you when things are new. And I want you to remember that every time, no matter if it's just a new haircut or if it's something huge and new, no matter what, God is with you, comforting you. And your family helps too. Can we pray? Let us pray. God, we give you thanks. In the midst of new things, you're with us, keeping us calm and giving us strength. In the midst of new things, God, we pray that you might help us be happy in the midst of them and encourage one another too, that we might all walk together with you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. name of Jesus. Amen. I don't know. Sometimes I think I should go back to that bowl cut, you know? Yeah. In today's text, we have Jesus doing a new thing in a place where he's grown up, in a place where they know him very well. And alike getting a haircut, a new haircut, this can be terrifying. But it also changes in ways that a haircut doesn't quite the things that are surrounding Jesus. Now, we weren't here last week, so we're going to kind of go through the whole text before it as well. Last week, uh, we would have heard, I believe it was last week we would have heard, that Jesus uh, has just got done. He was baptized here in Luke, and then he went through the desert wilderness where he was tempted three times, and we kind of remember those temptations, right? Jesus, make yourself bread, and Jesus responds uh, to the temptation from Satan that one does not live on bread alone. 
The second temptation being, Jesus, worship me and I'll give you all the nations that you see atop this high mountain. And Jesus responds with worship, no one but God alone. And then finally, Jesus, cast yourself down from the top of the temple. And Jesus responds with, do not test the Lord your God. And just like in the baptismal story, where Luke says that the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove, in that story, the Holy Spirit was with Jesus. And again, in this story, the Holy Spirit is with Jesus. And it's at this moment, right after the desert, that Jesus returns to his hometown. Actually, he goes to Cana with the wedding feast, and then his hometown. And he goes to the synagogue, just like is his normal custom on that day. He opens the scroll of Isaiah. He reads from it, where he proclaims good news to the poor, to the oppressed, freedom to the captives, sight to the blind, and the year of the Lord's favor. He rolls the scroll back up, hands it, sits down. And there at the end of that text, all the eyes on him in the synagogue were amazed. They're not mad at him. He's done a very new thing. He's identified himself in a very new way, and they're not mad at him one little bit. In fact, they're ecstatic. For example, if someone in this midst stands up in the middle of the congregation and says, I proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, God shall surely be good to us. God will bless us. God will feed us. God will clothe us. God will protect us. Those who are hurting will be released from that hurt. We would be okay with that, wouldn't we? I mean, even if some of us were skeptical, even if some of us were like, well, I'll believe it when I see it, we would still say, yes, that would be great. But Jesus doesn't stop there. And this is where the text becomes one of the most difficult ones that I deal with on a regular basis. Because Jesus, talking to a crowd of very faithful Jewish people in a synagogue, as was their custom on that day, says that remember in the context of Elijah that there were a ton of people who were hungry but there was only one widow that was fed. Now those of you who are vacation Bible school this last year you heard this story about Elijah, right? Elijah was the prophet that was pursued by King Ahab and King Ahab kept chasing him and Jezebel kept chasing him and all these people were trying to kill Elijah and Elijah went out into the wilderness and he was fed by ravens and he drank from the brook and eventually, he had another interaction with King Ahab, and he ran and he ran and he ran for three and a half years, and finally, he was sick of it, and he said, God, I just want to die. And so that's when God says, I'll show myself to you, and he hides himself, and God's not in the earthquake, God's not in the wind, God's not in the pillar of fire, but God is in the still, small voice. It's in that context where Jesus says, in the time of great need for God's people, God helped one person outside of them. One widow was fed. And again with Elijah, who just like his predecessor went through very similar trials, very similar persecutions. And it's in that context that he says, there was one leper who was cured. Now just like we did with the first part of the text, let's do this with the second part. Imagine that someone stands up in this congregation and says, I know 
that there are several people who need to be healed. I know that there are several people who need to be released from those things that oppress them. But guess what? I proclaim good news. There's one person somewhere else that will be healed. They're probably not a regular churchgoer. They're not a part of this congregation. We don't know them that much. But we shall heal that one person. All the rest, no. I don't know about you, but the cliff makes a whole lot of sense. Right? Like, I know it's Christ. I very much know it's Christ. And at the same time, if you're telling me that after you promise to Abraham and all his descendants that all the families of the earth will be blessed through me, that you will keep and protect Abraham's descendants, and you're not going to do that, but instead leave us to die in our lameness, leave us to die in our hunger, I'm not okay with it. But that's the text we have. This comes out of our holy scripture. For some reason, when things seem so good, when Christ was reading out of the scroll of Isaiah, proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor, all of a sudden it's wrenched away again. Christ came down. We celebrate it at Christmas, Christ coming down. We celebrate at Epiphany that realization of who God is with God's people. Christ was baptized in the celebration of Christ's baptism on the baptism of our Lord's Sunday. And now we get to this Sunday and all of a sudden it's being wrenched away again. The healing, the feeding, the year of the Lord's favor doesn't seem to be for us. This, more than anything, is what a journey looks like. This, more than anything, is where faith comes in. Because eventually we know that we will see Christ hanging on the cross for all people. Eventually we know that Christ is going to walk into those crowds of people and heal them. Eventually we know that 5,000 people will be fed at one point just indiscriminately. And again, 4,000 at another. Eventually we know that the Spirit will descend like a dove on all of us. Eventually we know we will be claimed brothers and sisters of Christ. But in this moment... And this time, it's hard to remember that. The reality of our situation is that God does bless people, one and not the other. That there's healing in one place where there's the potential for healing in two, where there's hunger satisfied in one place, where there's, there's the potential for satisfied hunger in two, and I don't know what to do between now, when it seems unjust, and then when the kingdom of God will, God will descend on us, fulfilling us and renewing us, like we preach and teach and hear every Sunday. But between this moment and the cross, we have faith that God will indeed be God. This is a text for people who already believe. This is a text for people who already have faith. This is a text 
This is a gospel written to those who understand that the cross will come. This is not something I would give to someone who's at an introductory level to faith, who's just coming to know who Christ is. This is something you give to someone who indeed knows firmly and undoubtedly that God will be God no matter what. The reality of life is for those who know that God will be God no matter what. And so with one of the toughest things that I deal with on a regular basis, and with one of the toughest things that I believe you share with me on a regular basis, prayers answered and prayers unanswered in a way that I don't understand. It is my prayer, is my hope, is my work. That faith might be born to you in a way that you are not shaken and you are not lost between this moment and the cross. I believe God will be God. I believe God will be our good shepherd. I pray faith comforts you in those moments. Amen.